why is it that this place just seems to kind of bring the best of me out? Again, something I experienced when I was at the BAM Center is you have these artists and people coming from all over the world. So you get this kind of international melting pot that you only really normally experience in big cities. So I think it's kind of cool to get this microcosm of that in this tiny little town. Destination management, if we do this right, is going to put that feeling in a kind of a preservation state. You're listening to Think Revelstoke, a show about the future of tourism in Revelstoke and the greatest challenges of today's tourism destinations, along with their most inspiring solutions. We're speaking to you from beautiful Revelstoke, British Columbia, a city on the territory of four nations where we live, work and adventure, the Sinaiks, the Shwepmek, the Silks and the Tunaha. I'm Rodney Payne, the CEO at Destination Think. And I'm Robin Goldsmith, Destination and Sustainability Manager at Tourism Revelstoke. As part of this podcast, we're reaching out to industry experts, tourism leaders, and our local community to gain insights on how we can create a better future for Revelstoke. Today's guest is Stephen Jenkins. Stephen is the owner of the Explorer Society Hotel and Quartermaster Eatery, uh, two excellent businesses here in Revelstoke. Stephen, we're eager to hear your perspective as an owner of tourism-dependent businesses here in Revelstoke, as a resident, of course, and also as a member of our tourism board. Um, so Stephen, could you tell us a little bit about your relationship to Revelstoke? And I recall a good story about how you opened a magazine and saw something about the opening of, of the new ski resort, I think. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for having me, you guys. It's fun to get a chance to chat with you about a place that we're all uh, passionate about, which is Revelstoke. Uh, yes, I was being a corporate guy flying on an airplane to Calgary, reading the Alaska Airlines magazine and coming across very early original advertising about this crazy new resort that they were putting in, in this far-flung railroad town at the base of the Rocky Mountains. I came home from that trip and pivoted around in Seattle, which was home at the time, and was up here in Revelstoke that weekend. That was the fall of 2007. You could call it kind of the introductory days of the ski hill because the ski hill was just getting ready to open that winter and for a lifetime skier and someone who's always wanted to be kind of a ski bum inside of my overly responsible persona most of the time finding revelstoke was a super cool thing here's a a mile over a mile of vertical um in a in the area that is the cradle of heli skiing and why it was born here, you know, 40 or 50 years ago. Um, And this 7,000 person vintage uh, heritage town that is kind of Jackson Hole, Wyoming, going back in time to the 1970s. I, I was in shock in a super positive way. And this is a community that I've loved to come to. It's once I finished my business career, and my responsibilities in the city. This is the first place I've been able to choose where I live and choose what I do. And so that's why I came to Revelstoke and I'm now a proud PR permanent resident here through a exhausting paperwork process that we all endure when we want to move from one country to another. Proudly Canadian, proudly Revelstoke and really pleased to be here. 
I think I saw the same Alaska Airlines ad when I was flying into Sun Valley in Idaho where I was living uh, not long before the mountain opened. And I, I did the same thing. I, I got in a car with a few friends and came up and, and skied right away as soon as it opened. And I think I had a very similar reaction thinking this is my chance to be part of ski history again, right? And I think I've been trying to move to Revelstoke ever since and, and finally managed to. Isn't that amazing? I've uh, spent a lot of, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, so I spent a lot of time skiing in Sun Valley. At the time, Sun Valley was, you know, right at the pinnacle of, you could call it Western American resorts. You could eat mud pie in the, in the Sun Valley Lodge. You could drink beer at the Pioneer Saloon. I remember all that super well. Um, those types of experiences are getting more and more and more rare in the U.S. And so it's been really fun for me as an American to hear about visitors coming here to Revy and looking over and saying, this feels like blank, you know, back 20 years ago, and they'll insert some other word. And it's also fun to see Revelstoke referred to as, you know, the same way we talk about Chamonix and other kind of intergalactic ski destinations that we all grew up with. We're now one of those. And so protecting it through kind of proper destination management is a really important mission that you guys are, are, uh, are invoking and something that will be with us, hopefully, all through our development going forward. I love the way you think about that. Um, as a marketer, I remember my very classical marketing training where there are four P's of marketing. And in, in our industry, marketing often gets confused with promotion, which is only one of the P's. We've also got place, product, and price. And I, I see management being the other three, right? It's what levers can we pull as well as just promotion? Because in some parts of the year, at least, not every place needs promotion anymore. Yeah, for sure my businesses are really focused on experience. When I have guests that walk into my property, and this literally has happened, and they, they enter the property and they look at us and the first thing they say is, I think my blood pressure just dropped by 30 points. That kind of feeling in Revelstoke we've all had when we got here. It's like, why is it that I'm in a super good mood when I show up in Revelstoke? And why is it that this place just seems to kind of bring the best of me out? I remember my friends telling me this when we started exploring here in 2008 and why I gave up skiing at the coast immediately once you started coming here and, and experiencing what Revelstoke has to offer. Destination management, if we do this right, is going to put that feeling in a kind of a preservation state. So that when someone else comes later, you can look at them and go, aha, you're reacting the same way that I reacted when I came here in 2008. So we're doing a good job for preserving our experiences here because it's still impacting people the way that we want when they show up. That's such a great way to put it. And another way I think about that is taking our, our brand and our reputation and what we know to be true about Revelstoke, a lot of the reason that a lot of us live here and, and preserving that and trying to live it through the experience that we have and, and, and when we host other people that they have as well and trying to 
capture what's important about that and make sure we don't stray too far away from it and commoditize ourselves. No, that's right. And, and when we're choosing to live in this kind of mountain paradise, as we like to coin Revelstoke, with it comes the complexity of living in a mountain community. Like it's hard to get here. It's expensive to live here. It's difficult to get stuff because the supply chain can be challenging from time to time. So all of these things that we're doing about balance and having the, the right experiences here and the right number of visitors here and the right community management plan is important to, to preserve this, this very delicate balance that we have that allows all of us to continue to live here and thrive here. We definitely have a lot of headwinds against us. Uh, one of the guests on the show is Kathy Ritter, who is the former CEO of the Colorado Tourism Office. And she headed up Colorado Tourism for, for a decade and watched a lot of the ski resorts that we probably have in the back of our mind, Telluride and Crested Butte and Vale and Aspen, go, go down a path that, that we are on. And part of our mission here is to to make sure that the path we go is more intentional. And a, a, as a community, we try to have more agency than, than just being buffeted in a storm, you know, whichever way the wind is blowing at the time and, and, and try to take a little control. For sure. I think some environmental and geographic forces will work to our advantage. For example, you can't fall out of a Boeing 737 aircraft and land at Revelstoke, you can't. Um, and you won't. Any of us that know a lot about flying and things like that look at the surrounding area and just kind of smile and say, no, uh, that's not going to happen. That ends up being an asset to us when you think about it, that you can't get to Revelstoke by accident. You need to be very purposeful as a traveler to want to be a visitor here. And so the experience we can provide should be pegged to that as opposed to a volume experience that you might have over at Whistler as the kind of an easy comparison to what we're trying to do here. I saw both of your faces change when you talk about skiing and your experiences in skiing. So I'm going to go off script a little bit here and ask you both a question um, because so much of the change in Revelstoke has come from the development of the ski hill. You know, we're growing out as a summer destination as well but we're really on the map because of skiing and a lot of the destinations we compare ourselves to uh, are, are skiing. Um, so what, what is it about skiing? Why is that um, the draw? Why is that the, the sort of jewel in the crown for tourism destinations? Well, I, I can only speak from my horrible bias towards skiing. It's, it, it's skiing here is as good as it gets. So the amount of snow we have here, the proximity of the ski hill to town that we have here, the fact that we're, we're very early in kind of a responsible, let's call it expansion of skiing here, the fact that you can cross-country ski here, you can backcountry ski here, you can side-country ski here, you can cat ski here, you can heli-ski here, uh, and we're also a mecca for boarding. Um, to someone who grew up in skiing and skied at the coast, where even Gore-Tex was technically challenged, 
against the weather that we experience most of the time, it's a treat to be here. To have the ski hill eight minutes from your front door in downtown, that's a treat. Um, so the, the dream of Revelstoke was correct. And the positioning of Revelstoke to be able to expand over time to be um, a bigger and bigger place while still retaining kind of this low lift line, high wilderness, easy to get out type of persona makes it a very unusual place. And so, you know, Rodney and I have skied a lot in a lot of different places, and I'm sure you have too, Robin. And it was a standout when I got here, very clear to see that something special is going on here. And I, I think I just echo everything Stephen said, but I, I, I think when, when you say, why, why is having a ski resort a jewel for any destination? I wouldn't say that it is. I think it presents an incredible opportunity as, as Stephen just articulated, but it also comes with challenges that require management, right? We've got, you know, a massive asset in our backyard that is terrific for our economy and uh, puts pressures on our community. And, and that's the delicate balance that we have to walk as we make sure we protect tourism social license to keep putting money into the community and the visitor experience that, you know, that we know and love. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. That's a, a completely fair comment. And you can say sometimes you know, balance is something that's achieved over time. So balance is there when you look long-term at something like your work-life balance, but, but any day in time, it's out of balance. And so we, as we grow and Revelstoke Mountain Resort grows and the town grows and visitation grows, um, that will be in, in kind of different states of being in and out of balance as we go on. So I think the role that you guys have that's really helpful is you'll take a longer term view. Your vantage point will be broader and we'll be looking at balance and community and affordability and housing and proper management of our natural resources and all of these things across time as we go forward. And I think traditionally you don't think of tourism that way tourism is just about more heads more heads must be better and what i like about what you, what you're doing with destination management is is no this is about quality and balance like we're managing a pre precious resource and an experience and we want to make sure that that experience remains powerful over time one other thing i'll mention that i think makes revelstoke unique and it's helpful to us is we continue to have blue collar, very appropriate, helpful industries in our town that a number of other tourism communities don't have. So if we were only resting on a one-legged stool and that one-legged stool was tourism only, we would have a lot more trouble trying to manage the balance between what's the right amount of tourism and what's the right amount of visitation because that would be the only trick we have to play in our entire economy. But we have a, a balanced economy here and a historical economy here and a bunch of industries that remain powerful here. And so as a business owner, that's very comforting to me to know that we're not a, a one trick pony. How do you perceive tourism in Revelstoke? What are the positive tourism brings and what are some of the negative effects of tourism? Sure. Well, 
we're all the the positive effects of tourism is is employment it's um injection of capital it's having atypical resources that a small town shouldn't have like look at our high school look at our performing arts center look at our hockey team and the the significance of it and and look at all of the businesses and arts and culture experiences that largely punch above their weight we shouldn't be doing things that we do with with the population that we have and tourism helps us as a catalyst to do that and invest in our community through you know uh, resort fees that our tourists happily leave behind so we can make investments the negatives um we have short-term rental crisis here that we're still managing through we have um, housing and affordability challenges here that we're still managing through. We have employment challenges that we're managing through. We don't have enough people to serve the tourists that we have now, uh, let alone serve more that we could be getting in the future. We've got you know things right down to the complexity of garbage in our town and recycling and making sure that we're trying to take care of our town as opposed to you know uh run roughshod across our town with the way that um, people experience it so all of these things are are things that come and are complexities that are introduced through tourism so stephen you took on a big project with your businesses i know you you had an idea and a, and a vision and and realized revelstoke was a place you wanted to be um, you came into it into a community where there's a lot of pride uh, around the character and our downtown heritage, and and you took on the project of thoroughly renovating uh, downtown heritage building. How did that process go for you, and do you think the community has been receptive? Yeah, that's a it's a great question. Um, the community did not need to welcome me. Here I was, this person from another country coming into their town um, and pretending that I know what I'm doing. Um, that, that wasn't the way that I was received. And I think um, I'm very thankful to the community in general about that, that I think because we were saving a 110-year-old beautiful building and Revy doesn't have enough of those um, and we didn't wreck it, we've, we gutted it and rebuilt it. And so the 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 building continues on in its stories all the way back to 110 years ago when Hector McKinnon built it as a pool hall and a tobacco shop remain intact um, right down to scratches on the concrete walls and things like that that you can go back and see. I think that made a big difference as opposed to me coming in and let's say building some castle on the side of the ski hill or something like that that would have put me in a different place. So we added complication to the formation of our businesses, but frankly, it's what makes our businesses unique. If I built a perfect, perfectly executed hotel, but it felt like a brand new corporate hotel, we wouldn't be having the experiences that we have at the Explorer Society when either you stay there or you choose to eat dinner there. You've talked a few times about not losing our soul and not getting commoditized and, and having mass visitation. Can you tell us about how you think about that balance between price and volume, you know, from your own business context and any sort of learning you can share? Hmm. 
That's a, that's a big question. And I think each person you ask that question to will probably answer differently. Um, you know, my answer to it is when we built the businesses here, we filled niches that didn't exist. So I didn't have to compete with other businesses or compete for visitors or displace other people that used to go to, to place X and now go to my place. So that was deliberate. Um, and the way that I think our downtown businesses behave is kind of an all boats uh, go up on, a, on an incoming tide type of model. We're all looking out for each other. We're all trying to make sure that we're healthy because when we're all healthy, and everybody's business is doing well, then the tourist is is more happy. Um, I think that Revy caters to fewer tourists in a higher quality way. So if you compare us to kind of, you know, a big destination ski resort in the winter, no, we're, we're a pure, more pure, uh, more basic type of ski environment here than you'd have at a place where kind of a shopping mall and a ski hill intersect. And during the summer, it's really easy to, to compare us against Banff and Lake Louise. And I have story after story of guests that stay with me as kind of a gateway on their way there and come back to Revelstoke quickly with a very shocked look on their face that says, I didn't like it very much over in Banff and Lake Louise. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't see anything. I didn't have accessibility. So again, back to Revelstoke and, and what we have is very, very unique and protecting it so that our tourists 10 years from now aren't saying what I just said becomes the, the critical goal of, of destination management and why it's important in addition to kind of traditional resort marketing that we all know how to do. Stephen, thanks for joining us today. There's so much that you've said that will help us as we move forward. Well, I'm, I'm really pleased with what you guys are doing and why we're doing it and want to help wherever I can. So thanks for having me. Thanks, Stephen. Hello, producer David Archer here. I just wanted to mention that the Think Revelstoke show has also been broadcast in the community of Revelstoke on local community radio. Uh, and this has helped a lot of a lot more locals have access to the show as they go about their day-to-day. -day. Um, so I want to thank 92.5 Stoke FM for that opportunity. And in the second half of this episode, Robin and Rodney are going to speak with another resident who has lots to say about the benefits that tourism can bring, uh, particularly in the realm of arts and culture. Thanks. Now back to the show. Today's guest is Miriam Manley. Miriam is the former executive director of Arts Revelstoke and has recently begun a new role as the executive director of the BC Touring Council. I've had the pleasure of working with Miriam in her role with Arts Revelstoke and have witnessed firsthand what a dynamic, creative, and effective leader she is. Uh, so as you know, uh, my role came in in May um, and as part of that, we are doing this uh, larger destination management planning process. So we've hired Destination Think, Rodney's company, um, to kind of be our co-pilot in this process. We're doing it a little differently. We're not just bringing Destination Think in um, to sort of do this for us. Um, 
who are working together quite closely, doing a lot of community outreach. Um, this podcast is part of it, and you know about our film nights, uh, which are also part of it. Uh, we're looking at doing a school project um, and a pretty robust community survey. We've done a lot of destination plans at work, and all over the world, the challenge is that they can often sit in a drawer because they weren't co-created. And you get one person like Robin who is often leading what is quite a massive undertaking as part of a role. And the reason we wanted to include the opportunity to talk to people like yourself uh, is because I think we can learn a lot that makes the plan a lot more robust and relevant and gets a lot more support by being really visible through the process. And I think other places can learn a lot from the way that Robin and I are trying to do this for our hometown here in Revelstoke. And so today we've been on quite a journey. It started very early this morning when we were talking to Damcho Rinzen from uh, Bhutan. And then we went down to Colorado to talk to Kathy Ritter, who was the CEO of the tourism board there. And we've been talking a lot about wildfires and climate change and uh, reconciliation. And now we get to talk about a little bit about art. So we've had quite an interesting day of uh, recordings. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, my, my brain's kind of hurting a little bit at this point. <laughs> so Miriam, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your relationship to Revelstoke? Sure, I have lived here for almost 12 years, lived in Revelstoke for almost 12 years. And um, 10 of those years I spent as the artistic and executive director of Arts Revelstoke. Um, so in my time with the organization, I actually started out running the, um, the Revelstoke Performing Arts Center, which just opened when I moved to town. So I oversaw the sort of establishment of that um, relationship, which was, is a relationship of a nonprofit and a charity running a um, professional space within a high school, essentially, which is the model which you see quite a lot across Canada. And during my time, I fundraised um, around $300,000 for upgrades to equipment and signage and seating and making that into a really functional space. And then um, some of the other things I was involved with is professionalizing and improving the downtown music, which used to be called Revelstoke Summer Street Fest and is now Revy Live Outside, which is 60 consecutive nights of music in the downtown core, Grizzly Plaza which has been going for many years. And under my leadership, it, the quality of the music improved. We also have now um, a professional PA, lights, and professional sound and staff down there every night. Um, and better branding around the, the offering. And then I'm also the co-founder of LunaFest, um, which is um, a multidisciplinary arts festival, which runs in Revelstoke every fall and um, was kind of designed by a group of people who all wanted to kind of see see the kind of artwork and performance that were being offered in, in cities and that you don't often see in small town BC. So focused on bringing multi genres of music here, more kind of um, experimental performance and installation, interactive and engaging art. Um, and also designed a sort of supporting and uplifting the local art scene here in Revelstoke as well. 
And then out of that came a legacy project called Art Alleries, which is three-dimensional artwork in the alleyways, which sort of animates un overlooked and underused spaces around the downtown and is kind of involved in sort of creative placemaking. Um, and I run a was running a performing arts series as well, which is also now offering really diverse and sort of exciting programming to the community. And final thing during COVID, um, we reinvented Street Fest, which is now Revy Live Outside, as Guerrilla Gigs, which were remote um, remote gigs in really iconic, beautiful places around Revelstoke for micro audiences, so that they were COVID safe. And we got some amazing images and video from these kind of incredible experiences that we offered to Revelstokians and people from tourists as well. Whenever you move to a place, you're always surprised by things. And I like to think that I did my research really well before deciding to raise a family in Revelstoke. And I was surprised by one thing when I moved here. And I was positively surprised, probably more blown away after moving here, realising the incredible depth and breadth of the art community. There's Arts Revelstoke, Guerrilla Gigs, nightly concerts in summer, all throughout winter, Performing Arts Centre, Visual Arts Centre, Printmakers Guild, Art Alleries, Lunar, Pottery Guild, a glass blowing studio, and I'm sure I'm missing a whole ton. I thought this was a ski town. What else am I missing? And have you ever seen anything like this in a town like Revelstoke? And how did it all come to be? Well, I have seen something like it in a town like Revelstoke, which is that um, I first moved to Canada to work at the Banff Centre for the Arts, which is in Banff, which is a little mountain town. And somebody had the grand idea to run uh, painting camps there, like years and years ago, maybe starting in the 50s even. And then it grew and grew into like an international um, art center. So that's what first um, brought me to Canada and uh, was so inspiring. So when I moved to Revelstoke, I, I guess my aim was to uh, recreate a little bit of that here, but in a way that was unique to Revelstoke and had that uniquely Revelstoke flavor. And I think some of the programs that I've been involved with have helped to raise up some artists who had maybe moved here similarly for the ski scene um, and weren't sure whether they could sustain, um, you know, a full-time art practice here and weren't sure if that community was there for them. And what we've been able to do through Lunar and other things is really, really raise up those, those artists and support their, their practice. And, and um, that's one of the things that, that um, I'm really proud of having, having been involved with. How do you perceive tourism in Revelstoke? Um, I'd love if you could touch on just some of the positive effects of tourism that you see and, and also the negatives um, that it brings to our community. Some of the positive things, I mean, I think I'm always surprised, especially coming out of COVID and sort of re-experiencing um, the high numbers of visitors that we get in the winter and in the summer. Um, I'm surprised at just how many there, there are, like at the music downtown, every night the artists always ask people to raise their hands if they're from out of town. And it is majority tourists, um, majority visitors, every single night that I was there that they asked that question. However, with those locals that were present, you still get that uniquely kind of Revelstoke feeling and 
of sort of warmness and a friendliness and um, of those sort of tourists being able to hang out with the locals and have that experience. And you see that in the summer in downtown Revelstoke and at Williamson Lake and at other places around Revelstoke. And I think you also see it in the winter. I think that something that visitors bring to the town is really bringing it alive, like filling up the restaurants, filling up the streets, bringing sort of an international flavor to the town, which is, again, something I experienced when I was at the BAM Center is you have these artists and people coming from all over the world. So you get this kind of international melting pot that you only really normally experience in big cities like London or Toronto or Montreal. So I think it's kind of cool to get this microcosm of that in this tiny little town that, oh, there's somebody, you know, just randomly met somebody from, you know, Australia or um, Germany or wherever. So I think that's a real positive thing about um, about tourism in Revelstoke and meeting those really interesting people and ha- and watching them enjoy our city and seeing all the positive things about it. And it reminds you how lucky we are to live here and all the wonderful things that we have here. So I think that's a positive, all of those are positives. Um, in terms of negative things, um, I suppose it's things we're struggling with in BC more generally around like the cost of living, um, lack of affordable housing, lack of finding staff potentially because they're struggling to find a place to live. And I think we all want to live and feel like we live in a really inclusive community where people like us can afford to live here. And I think it's, it, it can be hard for some of us to see, to watch that change in, in the town. We're building our destination management plan in a way that looks a long way ahead, 50 years into the future. We're thinking about the year 2073, when our kids will be adults. Not only have you had a really important role in building the art sector, but you've been a resident here for a decade. What would you love to see in Revelstoke in 50 years? What would be a really healthy community for your kids when they're adults? I would love to see um, some areas around town protected, the trees protected, to have some old growth that I can take my children to that isn't really, really hard to to access. Um, I would like to see yeah, more, more protections for the environment, particularly around the downtown core, especially to protect us from wildfires and things like that into the future. I'd like to see more density, like in terms of housing, so that, yeah, my children might have an option of actually living here when they grow up. So like fourplexes or in the downtown and things like that. Um, that would be really great and i'd like to see one of the things i'm working on at the moment is a creative hub project and we're really sorely like lacking in a flexible cultural use space downtown um so i would love to see like a some kind of art center development in the downtown that offers like flexible live work studios co-working space event space with flexible seating where you can have great concerts and music events and maybe even more festivals and and things like that so that's something that i'd like to see and potentially with a lot of um indigenous input from the nations whose land that we're on and the local indigenous friendship society do you have any thoughts on how we can harness the tourism economy to try and achieve those goals definitely i think i have so much respect for what tourism revelstoke have been doing 
in working really closely with me and my role at Arts Revelstoke and how we can actually achieve some of our goals around events and arts and culture in the community. So rather than just, oh, you know, here's some money maybe for a marketing scheme that you want to run, it's more integral than that of how can we, you know, shape and fund and um, invest in arts and culture because that's the kind of community that we want to live in. And not only is it great for residents to take part in festivals and events um, and, and support artists to live and work here, but it is equally great for the tourists who come and visit because we're, we're building, expanding, deepening and, and growing our culture in this town. So um, I think working in partnership with nonprofits and charities that are doing this important work and having those conversations about, okay, where do we want to go and how can we work together to get to those goals is, is the way to go, especially as different organizations such as Arts Revelstoke have access to different pots of money and different um, strategic thinking as well around some of these issues. I think by working together, we can come up with really creative solutions. Yeah, it's interesting, um, you know, that Rodney said one of the things that surprised him moving here is is the depth of the art scene. Um, and I think that's often a pleasant surprise for our visitors as well, um, that they, they come here and they know they're coming to a really cool and, and beautiful mountain town, you know, nestled in the mountains in BC, and then they encounter uh, some of the work that Arts Revelstoke and other groups have been doing Um which really uh, creates that special experience and I think a connection to the destination. You and I have both seen a number of strategic planning initiatives in Revelstoke and in your time in 12 years here, I'm sure there've been quite a few surveys and things going from the city of Revelstoke and other groups. Um, how do you think we can make this one successful and, and really uh, seek out a breadth of voices from our residents? I think it's really about knowing what kind of information you want from people and how they can best input into that. And then having some really clear, you know, short-term, medium-term kind of goals that you're going for. Um, and then maybe communicating with people clearly about why you're looking, what you're trying to, what information you're looking for and why you're looking for that information and how they can be part of whatever outcomes that the survey brings. Thanks so much for joining us, Miriam. Uh, and for all of your hard work uh, in making Revelstoke the vibrant and thriving community that it is. We've just come off of Luna Weekend. I think you must be exhausted, um, but we're so lucky to have someone with your depth of experience in town. And thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It was fun. After this short break, Robin and Rodney will be back to share takeaways from their conversation. I really liked Miriam's discussion about uh, the the uh, nightly music downtown in the summers and how, you know, it's there are so many tourists present, but I think that really gives a vibrant experience for, for Revelstokians. If you're just sitting there in the plaza with five of your friends and there are five other locals and there's a band playing for you, it's going to be really awkward. Uh, and it's so nice that it's filled out with, with a bunch of people who are visiting who are so excited and you know, often these visitors are just walking out after dinner downtown and stumble across live music. And um, it's, Miriam's been really successful in, in getting some really high quality acts. So it's such a cool experience. Miriam mentioned affordability. And I think the creative class is often 
uh, the first to experience affordability issues. And you can see it in, a, in the lifestyle of a place where, you know, when, when a massive industry leaves, you often find property prices drop and rent becomes cheap and, you know, space becomes affordable and you'll have the creative class move into a place and revitalize that over a period of years. And then it goes through the cycle all over again. And I think we've got this really special moment right now where you've, you've got a really vibrant art scene on a number of different levels that makes Revelstoke a very special place to live. It adds to the depth of the tourism experience. It is a tourism draw to attract people here. You've got people taking in photos in front of art, also sharing the great art and tourism experience with their networks and on the internet. And you've got great benefits for residents and money coming into the community, both directly from, you know, efforts like Tourism Revelstoke directly funding things, but also indirectly getting spread further than it may ordinarily go. And then you've, you've also got these incredible experience where tourism and visitors and locals are, are linked together. And I think it is, it is a really special undercurrent of our destination that, is, is important to carry forward. I think it goes a long way in, in fostering community pride. Um, you know, when I think about the, the things that I love about Revelstoke and I'm, I'm very passionate about telling people how much I love this town and, and how proud I am to live here. And the first picture that comes to my mind is our beautiful downtown core and those art galleries pieces um, and all the incredible work uh, that these artists have done in Revelstoke, it just really fosters that sense of community pride and, and that sense of excitement about living here. And it's hard to capture in words, but the feeling that you have walking around Luna and connecting with other locals and the vibrancy that creates, it's almost like a modern day version of the sort of annual carnival that, that towns would have to bring people together at the end of summer. It's it's hard to, to properly put that into words, but it's, there's an essence there that you know, needs, to, needs to be considered as part of our story. We had a number of volunteers come in for our Thanksgiving back program to volunteer at Luna. And you know, they're, they're there seeing the art, but I think one of the things that's really on display is our community. Um, and the, the feedback I got from so, so many of those people was what a wonderful experience. And they might, note an art piece that they saw but mostly they just note how incredible it is to see a small town just come alive like that um, and what a beautiful thing that is for our community this has been think revelstoke presented by tourism revelstoke and destination think our hosts are robin goldsmith and rodney payne this episode has been produced and has theme music composed by me david archer Lindsay payne and annika rautiola provided production support our show comes from the beautiful city of Revelstoke, British Columbia, Canada, located on the land of the Sinaixt, the Shishwetmek, the Silks, and the Ketunaha. You can help more people find the show by subscribing to future episodes and by leaving a review. Next time, we'll call long distance from Revelstoke and speak with Dam Cho Rinson, the Chief Tourism Officer of the Tourism Council of Bhutan. See you then!